thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to Primal Alternative Podcast, episode number 63. I'm H, your personal primal health coach and um, host of the show and also founder of the grain-free food range, Primal Alternative. So if you haven't checked out our range yet, go and have a look at primalalternative.com. And check out our range of grain-free breads, pizza bases, cookies, and jellies. We uh, collaborate with the gorgeous Joe Witten from Quirky Cooking and Fouad Kassab to bring you, he's gorgeous as well, <laughs> to bring you their grain-free pastry. We also do a sweet potato pastry if you are not digging nightshades. And we also make their delicious and so hard to stop at one macadamia and currant shortbread biscuits. So if you get a bit overwhelmed on your clean living journey, and let's face it, it's freaking hard work getting everything locally sourced and spray free and chopping everything and having to ditch the bread and the pastas and all of the super easy convenience yet makes you feel like crap food, then now you can have convenience without compromise. I love that one. Thank you, Emu Wellness. Big shout out to you for that brilliant Insta hashtag. I love it. And yeah, like, come on, bread's back on the menu. Pizza night's back on the menu. Kim Morrison, who is on the show today, loves our products and we sponsor all of her um, essential self-care weekends. So if you are one of the people who attends one of Kim's beautiful retreats, then you'll be in for a treat with some primal alternative goodies there as well. Now this woman, oh my goodness, she's just gorgeous, just gorgeous to look at, gorgeous to be with, like her energy. I met her for the first time in real life. Uh, at the uh, wellness uh, summit in Melbourne 2018 and she's just she's just one of those people that I have a few of these people in my life not many a few that if they say how are you beautiful (laughs) that's my Kimmy impression she's gonna hit me (laughs) that one um she said I do a really bad Kiwi accent so that's a bit rough isn't it um but anyway (laughs) um yeah, she's one of those people that she can ask you how you are and you just want to cry because you know that you can completely lay the truth out on the line and you'll be met with love, compassion, no judgment and, yeah, you'll get some seriously freaking awesome kick-ass advice, which is pretty much what happened um, for me before the interview with Kim. Like I literally just... 
had a bit of a cry on her basically for about 20 minutes with some confronting things that were happening for me as a business owner. And we all have confronting things. It doesn't necessarily mean just because you own a business that your troubles are more than others. But I was really um, pushed out of my comfort zone, you know, to the point where you're losing sleep and um, these problems are occupying all of your thoughts, you know, that way. And so Kim just gave me some beautiful advice, um, which we're going to share in the podcast as well. So, you know, Kim is all about self-love and self-care and loves to talk about how it's actually essential to look after yourself and not selfish. Like we all sort of think that, you know, having, you know, self-care is booking an Indian head massage or going to yoga once a week. Well, Kim's here to let us know that that is uh, a good start, but um, that actually self-care can be a golden thread that weaves your entire day together and basically helps you hold yourself together so that you can show up as the best version of you in the world. And who are you not to really? You know, we sort of think we've got to put everyone else first. But when we're stressed and shouty or depressed or anxious, and like I've been there, I'm I'm not used to anyone. And neither are you, love. (laughs) Neither are you. So do yourself a favor, do the world a favor, and look after yourself. Really uh, listen to what Kim's got to say in the show today and see what actionable tips you can take away, like from. Yeah, from what beautiful Kim has got to say. So Kim, what else can I say about her? There's so much more to Kim than meets the eye. And you know, tenacity is probably the first word that comes to mind, apart from gorgeous. She's so gorgeous. And her journey and all she has uh, accomplished to date has all stemmed from her unwavering self-belief and her deep understanding that you must also take care of yourself first and foremost. Now, you might not know, but Kimmy set a world record as the youngest female to run 100 miles in less than 24 hours in 1989. 68-year-old world record holder Cliff Young was her mentor at the time, and to this day lives by his ethos that success is 90% mental and 10% physical. And I am so, so completely on board with Kim on this one. I reckon work on your mindset for everything because you can Google the rest. It's really that true. Work on your mindset because everything else you can Google. That's actually a Denise Phil Thomas quote. Not mine. It's very good though, isn't it? It's very funny. So Kim um, used her running story as a direct metaphor for life riding the highs, hitting the walls, pushing through the pain barriers, crossing the line, and never, ever giving up. Kim believes it is your inner power, passion, and commitment, and having truckloads of self-belief that distinguishes you as an achiever. It's about visualizing your dream and going for it, regardless of the feedback you receive or the challenges you face. As a five-times best-selling author, clever girl, creative director of 28, aromatherapist, health and lifestyle educator, and a multitasking mom and wife, Kim is someone who shares her essential tools for self-care, discipline, leadership, and teamwork, and most of all, the importance of the art of self-love. 
So I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode today. It seriously is like a big hug. It is just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. So if you are already following Kimmy, check her out on Facebook, check her out on Instagram, Kim Morrison. And if you head to her website, um, the link will be, uh, is 28.com, but the link will be in the show notes as well. And you'll be able to see where all of her events are. If you want to have one weekend, just one weekend off and go and hang out with some like-minded people uh, and really just have a break from everyday life and reassess where you're at in terms of your self-care journey and undoubtedly pick up some new tools that you can then integrate into your everyday life to make your human experience even better. So thank you so much, beautiful Kim, for being on my show. I love you so much and can't wait to give you a hug in real life next time. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show, Kim. It's so lovely to have you here. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. You know how much I love you. (laughs) And it's so likewise. And just as we have been having a little heart to heart, well, I basically gave you a sob story for the last 20 minutes. Um, Just absolutely divine timing that you are on the show today. And I'm going to um, not obviously share all of my dirty laundry on the podcast, but um, just wanted to uh, have a little chat to you, but I would love to get into some of the just absolute nuggets of wisdom you've just shared with me because you've literally flipped my day 180, which is, which is cool. But before we get into that, let me know what Kim Morrison had for breakfast. <laughs> and look, it always varies. At the moment, I'm doing a cleanse. So this morning... I had a black coffee after a glass of water and then mid-morning I had a beautiful bowl of papaya, red papaya with lime juice all over it. So that's what I had today. Awesome. So what kind of cleanse are you doing? I'm doing Cindy O'Meara's four-phase fat elimination protocol, more about resetting my hormones. And I usually do a cleanse once a year and I choose different protocols just to keep biohacking my body and to keep seeing what works best for me. And this time, this year, I usually do it around this time of the year. And I chose her one just because, you know, I'm 51 years of age. Um, menopause is well and truly set in. And I just want to make sure I can honor my hormones and embrace what's happening in my world as much as possible. And that protocol seems to be one of the ones that really does focus in on, on that. Mm, awesome. I have to look into that one. So what is it about this time of the year that, that feels like a, a good time for a cleanse for you, Kim? I think because over summer we tend to indulge a bit more and if we look at it from an anthropological point of view, we know that over summer was the fat loading time where fruits and, and food was more bountiful. Um, I've probably overindulged a little bit over that time and pretty much what I find when I do overindulge and, for me, and probably my idea of overindulging isn't the average person, neither your listeners probably everyday average overindulging. But for me, when I start noticing I'm craving sweet things again, or when I'm eating more carbs than I probably would, or when I start getting a little belly, little just a little pocket of belly around my, my midriff, I start realizing that, oh yeah, I just need to, to cut that sugar craving back again. And often it's through a cleanse that I can do that. And so I usually find autumn leading into winter because then we go into beautiful soups and, and your gorgeous breads. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, I really love 
having your bread with my soup. So to me, it's I love that as a treat, and I like to have those heavier, heartier meals through winter. So I just like to get myself prepared for that, and as I said, not not craving sugar. Perfect. Makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. So you you are the self love guru in my opinion. Let's um, let's get straight into why self care is not selfish. I think for many of us, when we're brought up, you know, it depends on your parenting, your upbringing, your teachers, your coaches, and all the things that occur through your life um, as to what perception we have around what self care is. Um, I think what's important is that we all come to at some point in our lives of realizing that nobody will look after you the way you can. Also, nobody can actually destroy you the way you can, regardless of what life circumstances present to you or how tough or challenging your life is. At some point, we pull on our big girl's pants. We look at life and we know that we've got a choice, whether we become a victim to our circumstances in our life or whether we become the victor and choose greater choices for us. And ultimately, most of us, I dare say, will always know that uh, what is the right choice when it comes to looking after ourselves. So some of you may be lucky that you have a husband that sends you on a seven-day all-expenses-paid retreat to Noosa or Guangana or something like that, but 99.9% of the population don't get that beautiful opportunity. So I'm really about doing the small things often. I truly believe that the more you can top your own emotional, physical and spiritual and mental love tank, the better you are as a human being, the better you are as a parent, the better you are as a sibling, a, a, a child or whatever your role is. And particularly, obviously, for those of us in work or in our own businesses, you have to look after yourself in order to run a business and to run a home and to run a family. So ultimately, if you do not invest into self-care today, we all know the price is that sickness will invest itself in us. So I found that if I can help remind people that self-care should be your number one priority, that it's not selfish, it is actually essential, that we do take care of ourselves, then no matter what life throws at us, we will always have the capacity, the tools, the strategy and the awareness on how to get through those times. Beautifully said. So let's really kind of dive deep into what self-care is because I know that um, for many people, including me uh, once upon a time, self-care meant for me things like you've explained, you know, the seven-day retreat in Noosa or, um, you know, an Indian head massage or something quite indulgent. So it doesn't always have to look like that, does it? What, What could be some of the daily rituals for self-care that are accessible to everybody? I think there's no accident that I fell in love with plants and herbs and oils when I was a teenager and graduated as an aromatherapist in the early 90s. And for me, essential oils have probably become the most easiest reference point and tool to do self-care. If I said to somebody, go and run yourself a bath at the end of the day and just relax for 10 minutes, it's probably less likely than when if I say, could you run a bath, put some beautiful calming oils in there that will help you sleep, let's add a cup of magnesium salt, put your music on, maybe light a candle and I'd like you to indulge in there for at least five to ten minutes. More likely you will put things into action because you've got the tools to make it more than just running a bath. 
Mm. Same thing as when I say you could do a three-second. Lots of my rituals that I teach people are based on three seconds. So, you know, for busy people, because that was always an excuse, you know, I'm too busy um, or too, it costs too much. They're the two big, biggest reasons why people don't look after themselves is time and money. And I say that that is absolute BS. Um, I would rather you took ownership and just said, look, I'm not making it a priority. Because if I said to you that a massage, yes, it's indulgent and yes, it costs money and yes, it might be a bit of time out to go and do that or you feel a bit guilty doing that. But if I turned around to every one of you listening to this and said, those of you that would say, you know, time and money, you haven't got enough time and money to do it. Then if I turned it around and said to you, I want you to think of somebody you truly love, like you'd be lost if something happened to them or God forbid they weren't in your life. I want you to think of that person. Now I want to ask you another question. The life, happiness and wellness of that person depends on you having a one hour massage every week for the next 12 months. Would you find the time and money to do it? And 100% of us, would absolutely say yes. Yes. Yeah. So therefore, the reason isn't that you haven't got the time and money. The reason is is that the why is not big enough or that it's just not a priority. And I'd rather you owned that than thinking that you haven't got the time and money because all of us will find the time and money to do something when it's really necessary. So I invite people to look at at self-care rituals, you know, as, as things like, a, like why I love my spritzer bottle, which is simply a 50 ml glass bottle filled with, you know, four to six drops of essential oil and water. Then I carry one of those in my handbag. I've got one next to the bed. I have one in the kitchen. I have the kids have one next to their bed and, and there's, they're in our bathroom you know, in the toilet. So every time I go to the loo and if you've got little kids, gosh, you don't even get that time to yourself half the time they're in there <laughs> with you. Um, but you can still do three deep breaths, breaths, um, take it, you know, spritzing around your head and face, taking three deep breaths to help center and calm yourself. And that to me is a self-care ritual. It's being mindful and having awareness around the fact that you are doing daily little things to take care of yourself. It could be when I go and get the letter, you know, the mail from the letterbox that I may walk out with a tribe of little people yelling out mum, but they're still going to follow me. But we invite everybody to take their shoes off and let's walk out barefoot to the, to the letterbox. And that way we're creating a grounding ritual. Mm. If you're lucky enough to live close to the beach, it might be that we walk the dog down to the beach and back again. If you don't, if you're in the middle of an apartment block in the middle of the city, it might be that I invite you to make sure that when you cut your herbs in your beautiful salad that, you know, I invite you to grow one pot on your deck Mm. of fresh herbs. And as you cut those herbs tonight and as you place them over your salad, just say a little prayer of thanks for that beautiful plant growing on your deck. So there's, you know, I call them, I like to look at it as the accumulation effect that when time and life, sorry, when life is full of um, busyness and time and money is precious or it's not as easily available, then it's those little things that don't cost a lot of time and money that actually will get you through so that when you do find more time and money, and let's face it, life is fully always changing. When you do, then you may then go and book a week at Gringana or have a seven-day retreat at Noosa or shout your husband and yourself up to a resort for the weekend if that's what floats your boat. For some people, it could be going into an eco-tent. For some people, it could be going and doing a farm stay. For some people, it could be just staying home for a whole weekend 
and spring cleaning the garage or the house or the car, you know, all of these, it depends on your perception, but they're all acts of kindness that make yourself feel better. And ultimately anything that makes you feel better is an act of self-care. You just make it sound so easy and it's, it really is those little things in the day that matter, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, feeling your feet on the sand or, you know, really appreciating a beautiful meal that you've cooked for yourself or someone's cooked for you or just smelling the top of your kid's head when you give them a cuddle. You know, it's those little things, <laughs> little golden threads of magic that weave through our day that really are, that's the joy of living, isn't it? It's not just necessarily the big wins or the, you know, the big milestones that we, you know, they're, they're obviously highlights in our life, but it's the just the little things throughout the day that really weave everything together. And when you see it as not just a big, like self-care is not just a big, you know, I've got to book a massage or go for a pedicure or a facial, like self-care is everything right from, um, you know, beautiful soft sheets to sleep on or just making time just to linger in a cuddle or like you say, cut some herbs on your, on your dinner. It's all those beautiful, oh, it's just, yeah, I just feel... And it's those little things that you would miss the most yes. if something happened to the people that you love the most. Um, you know, we remember, I, I, I just had a beautiful story told to me of a couple that I, I know through friends that lost their four-year-old child in a tragic accident. And I had, you know, I was told, I asked how they were doing and apparently the two of them were there in the lounge, you know, not feeling great, but they both took turns at slamming the door. And that was something that this little four-year-old used to do. And, you know, you, you sit there and you might tell your child off for slamming the door, but then when you hear a story like that, it's all of a sudden it's those little things that they do that, that reminds you of, of their beauty and their grace. And, and I just would love for people to remind themselves of their own beauty and grace and the little things that they do to make the world a better place and not ever forgetting the contribution they make in other people's lives, never realising or never, not, never stop believing that you make a difference or that your life is worth it and that you are someone precious to someone. Um, and it takes, it's give and take, you know, you can't sit there and expect the world to love you when you don't contribute or serve others. Uh, at the same time, when you do contribute and serve others, there'll be some people that treat you like absolute CRAP. And you've got to remember that in life, as I said, it's it's the highs and lows, the ebb and flow. There's always good and there's always not so good. It's just about embracing the great times and the little things when they're occurring and then reminding yourself that through the tough times, the challenges and the, and the hurdles that we, we face in life, that that too shall pass and you will get up, out, over and through it. So I think if we can just relax up a little bit on ourselves and realise that no matter where we're at in life and there may be no accident that you're listening to this right now, that you know there is hope. There is always hope and there is always a way out. But to me, it always starts with the place and the act of self-care. So if it's so accessible... Why the heck do we resist it so much or like make out that we're, you know, high maintenance because we like to have all of these rituals in our life? Like why, especially for women, can you just shed some light, Kim, on 
if we're feeling like, oh, well, it all sounds lovely what Kim's saying, but I just don't do those things for myself. Like, what, what, what's going on there? What is this resistance all about? I wrote a book just recently called The Art of Self-Love and it was based on my son. Look, it was years of research, but it was based on a moment three years ago when my then 16-year-old son appeared at the end of my bed and he was in a bad place. I knew he had been. I'd been trying to talk to him for some time, but as we all know, unless you're ready to hear it, you will not notice even the offering, let alone want to hear the advice. So here he was, my boy was broken, and I'm sure every mother listening to this would appreciate that a mother is only as happy as her saddest child. And my heart was breaking, my husband was lying next to me, and I just said, what's up? And Jakey looked at me and just said, you know, in in 16-year-old expletives, but basically that his world was stuffed, that he hated himself and he didn't want to be here. And, you know, my husband didn't know quite what to say, but there's no irony or accident that I had spent three years researching why people beat up on themselves, why we self-sabotage, why we don't believe that we're good enough or worthy enough. And I've been asking for years how people get up and out and over those tough times or those moments of challenge. And I looked at him and I said, look, I've got something to show you. I've created this little visual. Would you like to see it? And he just said, yeah. And so I got out my big piece of paper and I drew a heart in the middle of the page and I wrote the word self-love. And I said, look, sweetheart, we know that in order to have a great life, we know in order to be a good person, we know in order to give of our best, and we know in order to be loved and love another person that we must love ourselves first. Would you agree? And, and of course he shook his head, yes. And I said, well, sometimes in life what happens through circumstance or upsets or you know, tragedies or, or things that just don't, they're not, in the, they're not written in the script that you wanted, causes us to fall out of that circle or out of love. And so I drew an arrow coming straight down from that heart and wrote underneath it self-sabotage. And then I wrote the words like self-hate, self-harm, worthless, guilt, shame, remorse, uh, not feeling good enough, all of these things. And I just kept writing and asking him what words would describe those feelings. And those were some of the ones he shared. And then I said to him, you know, this happens to everybody. This is part of the human psyche that we must experience these darker moments in order to appreciate the lighter moments. After all, how can we understand light without dark? How can we understand high without low? We have to have these extremes in life in order to really appreciate uh, the everyday moments. And so then up the top right of that page, I drew the word self-awareness. And I said, if you can really think and acknowledge that right here, right now, you're just in a bad place or you're not taking care of yourself or you're, you're saying bad things or you don't believe in yourself enough, with awareness, you're already now showing love for yourself because you're aware that you're in a bad place. And I said to him, and the next step to that is what we've already discussed, which is self-care. So when you're in a bad place, you're aware that you're in the bad place. The next thing you must do is take care of yourself. And so I said to Jakey, you know, it's important over the next 28 days that you earth yourself every day. Promise me you'll walk outside and stand on the grass with bare feet uh, every day for a couple of minutes. And he nodded and I said, or you could walk down to the beach barefoot every day because at that point we live right by the beach. Or it could be that I said to him that every meal, part of self-care is every meal, I'd like you to have something green with every meal. Can you promise that? 
Because let's face it, in order to get through these times, we have to commit to ourselves. So I said to him for 28 days, and if you miss a day, we just have to start again. And he agreed to that. Also included things like, if mum puts a bath on for you, then I want you to take that bath. And he doesn't need to know that I'm going to put hormone balancing oils or calming oils in there. I told him they were, it could be oils to help his muscles after training. It could be oils to help him sleep better. And he doesn't need to know what oils I'm putting in there. And I might put magnesium in there to help his cell communication, to help his body, to help his rest more, to help him rest more easily, etc. especially when you're going through a stressful time. And he agreed. I also said that I'd like him to smile every time I spritz him when I come to bed because up until that point he you know he might knock me or he might go oh mom really and and he kind of laughed a little bit and allowed that and then you know self-care can also mean you know going for that walk with a friend it could be mean making beautiful meals it can mean you know doing a hair treatment once a week it could mean putting on a mask it could just mean doing your daily self-care rituals in your bathroom but with kind words coming out your mouth instead of rushing. So allowing two minutes instead of 30 seconds of a morning. So he agreed to all of that. And then I said to him, the next step in the process, my love, is self-discipline. And really, as I've just mentioned, you cannot have a happy life, a good life, a productive life, a contributing life without discipline. And for anybody that's ever got a degree or a diploma or a certificate behind them, they know it took discipline to get that. We know that if we start a business, if I became a prime minister, it would take discipline and focus and attention to do that. We know that if I was to get um, beautiful meals into the house, I have to make sure with discipline that I go to the markets, the, the beautiful farmer's markets on the weekend, or that I stop at my favorite health food shop to make sure I have the ingredients at home to do that so that there is no excuse that I can't make beautiful meals. So discipline to me uh, is one of the most critical factors into pulling ourselves out of that self-sabotaging place. And if you look at the circle, self-awareness, self-care and self-discipline, they are what I call the doing part of the self-love circle. And then if we keep moving around and we apply discipline to our self-care and our awareness, then naturally what will occur is better self-control. And I looked at Jacob and I said to him, part of his discipline, by the way, was that he wasn't allowed to swear at a teacher for the next 28 days because he was on the verge of being kicked out of school. And he, and then I said to him one other tip, which you might all like, um, but if someone does annoy you like a teacher or a parent says something or a coach says something that annoys you, then two words that can diffuse the whole situation and ease your uh, ego and your emotions is that's interesting. <laughs> now, you can't say it facetiously, you can't say it with tone, but it is interesting that other people have a different viewpoint. That's all. And so with that self-discipline, and if he practiced that for 28 days, I promised him that he would come out with better self-control because we know when we've done a protocol, for instance, or we've done some sort of eight-week program or we've done the training in something, we know that we have better self-control with more understanding and more education and more practice. So with more self-control, we also know that at the end of an eight-week protocol or a detox or whatever it is that you might do, if on day one after that protocol, you don't have any self-control and you go and basically face plant a chocolate cake, <laughs> you've missed 
the whole point of that protocol and you've missed why you're doing it. In fact, you've probably been doing that protocol as a punishment mm -hmm. or to get ready for a wedding or to get ready for something as opposed to doing it for long-term health benefits. And that's something worth questioning. And when you do face plant that chocolate cake and you feel guilty, then you'll notice you've just fallen out of a circle. You've gone into a place of self-sabotage. But the minute you're aware you've done that, shivers, fell off the wagon, totally did what I shouldn't have. Oh, well, that happens. I'm back in. And the minute, so, you know, it's this constant ebb and flow again. With more self-control, I said to Jacob, it'll lead you to better self-respect. And when we have more self-respect, we're kinder with our words. We don't put people down. We don't find it necessary to swear. We don't gossip. We have a love for each other, for planets, for, for people, for humanity, for the greater good. And I think that's truly when someone shows self-respect is when they also have boundaries and support around their own uh, validity of self and their own self-worth. That's self-respect. And of course, when we have self-respect, then we have the most amazing place of self-acceptance, the last step in the six-step process. And when we have self-acceptance, we know that we accept the good and not so good of ourselves. We accept the days that we're not a great mum or dad. We also accept the days that we're brilliant. We accept that some days we're shattered and exhausted and stressed and we may say things we regret, but we also love the fact that we have the power to say sorry or to forgive another for their days of darkness. So it really, it really got to that point and I looked up at him and he just said to me, Mum, I've never had this explained like this to me or shown to me like this. You've got to get this out there. And it was in that moment that I realized three years ago, beautiful Helen, that I had to write this book, that if a 16-year-old boy got it, then surely the rest of us could get it. And I know you said it sounds simple. It truly is. But as we know, it's the discipline that is the work. It's the absolute applying the discipline to the knowledge that we have that then gives us the outcomes that we desire. Or if it's not the outcome we desire, we have the tools and the strategies to create another outcome. So to me, it's ever-evolving. It's ever-growing. It's ever-changing. And just as you may be in a bad place right now, and I could say to you, this too shall pass, to those of you in a good place right now, I've got some similar advice. This too shall pass, remembering that life is ups and downs. So to me, the acts of self-care, looking after you and building a repertoire of tools and techniques that you can use will prepare you for the unknown future, will prepare you to be a better role model to your children and prepare you to show your children not to hide from your children that life can be painful or hurtful or sad sometimes, but more importantly, how to get up, out, over and through those times with courage and grace and dignity and strength. That's ultimately what our job is as a teacher, a coach, a support person, a manager, and of course, a parent. So I hope that has given him the tools. And I can proudly say, you know, three years later, he did get kicked out of school. He did go to a new school and proudly he did finish school when he so didn't want to. So, you know, it took time and these things do self-care does take time. Um, self-awareness and being mindful of the fact that you do need to support yourself more on those darker days than you do on the good days. That truly is the ultimate. Well, just perfect. So perfect. So would it be, would it be right to say that, you know, um, your circle of self-love, it's a beautiful visual uh, for daily practice, 
really for the rest of our lives. Cause it's like you say, it's not like a, we just do a self care um, workshop for three weeks and then that's us for the rest of our life. It's because life is changing and we're growing and there's different experiences and we want to contribute in different ways that we're going to have different, um, different experiences that might put us outside the circle of self-love. And it's a case of just getting back in and wherever, wherever, wherever we are in the cycle. But is it still relevant when we have those like super tough times, like not just something, you know, you, you spilt your milk or whatever, but something really shitty has happened in life? Is it the same principles to get through that, Kim? Absolutely. But I want to say this, that part of self-care and self-awareness is acknowledging that those days are shitty, that those days you do feel really bad. You are suffering with a lot of grief or loss or absolute agony. And, and I think part of self, the minute you're aware that you're in that dark place or going through a tough time, you're already back in the circle. It's when we stay there and become a victim to the circumstance or we become, uh, we go into a pity party about it. Why me? It's so unfair. When you start having those conversations, yes, at the beginning, of course, that's natural. And in fact, I say scream every expletive and <laughs> abuse every single um, God in your head for what's happened. And, you know, you have every right to be angry or hurt or lost or upset or grieving. Don't deny those emotions. But being aware that you're having them, you're already back in the circle. And I think that's what gives us all permission to honour the tough times. But as we know, if we do not pick ourselves up and we do not take care of ourselves and we do not then show discipline to find a way out of that, um, that's when life you become, and dare I say it, but you probably know people like this, but you become more of a vampire than a contributor. And when I say vampire, you suck the blood out of people. You, you're always feeling sorry for yourself. You're, you're in a pity party. You're woe is me. It's not fair. And, and at the end of the day, and I, I hate to say it, but we're all here on our own. Ultimately, there is no one else in this world that cares about you more than you. Yes, we have beautiful friends and family. And of course, that's part of the human experience is to make others feel great and to be loved and, and to feel great from others. But we cannot rely on that. We cannot depend on that. No one can make us happy. No one can make us sad unless we give them the permission to do so. So in my humble experiences in my 51 years so far of being on this planet is that, yes, embrace the dark times and embrace them with love and care. Don't go and abuse yourself and think stuff it and go and, you know, drink yourself to oblivion or take copious amounts of drugs or go and do stupid things that you may regret and put you further into the self-sabotage pity party. Of course, if you do do that, then it just may be a process. We've seen young people do stupid things. We've seen people who have never found the light within to do to carry on in their lives. I just interviewed a lady recently who was an ice addict and a drug addict and an alcoholic for 37 years. It took her 37 years to get mm. out of that place. So I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying if you follow those six steps, then not my intent with writing the book was that you get out of those places with more courage, strength, dignity, and grace, and you do it quicker. The fast track way back to self-love is self-care. Perfect. 
So what about if you're living with integrity and you're living in your soul in that circle of self-love, you're doing all the things and then somebody, has, somebody else outside of you has fallen out of their own circle of self-love and they um, do something shitty to you. What's your advice there for, um, and you gave me some beautiful advice um, about a peach that I'd love for you to share with the listeners. <laughs> you don't mind, Kim. <laughs> it's got me through many moments. I put it in the book. I love it that much. You can be the juiciest, ripest, most delicious peach on the tree. And some people just don't like peaches. <laughs> so <laughs> get for many of us, <laughs> I, know, I, I love it. it. But, you know, for many of us, we can, as I said, we can give nicely, we can serve others, we can help people, we can be the greatest role model we can possibly be. And then someone else, though, has fallen out of the circle and they attack you for something or they say something nasty or they put something on Facebook that may not be at all fair. But you have to remember, as much as it's hard, and I'm not saying I do this easily when people attack me or do things or that I don't cry because of these situations, but on reflection and when I take a deep breath, I realize that it's their business. It's their stuff. My business is to work on how I react to that. Mm. So if there's a trigger to what they're saying, how do I work on myself, which is why I love the words, that's interesting, because it really is interesting that you're losing your, your cool right now. Um, you're attacking me. I don't think it's justifiable, but there's no way when someone's attacking you verbally or when they're abusing you that you can turn back to them and say, well, let's, let's chat about this. Or tell me, you know, you're obviously a bit stressed. They don't care. No one wants a conversation when they're that angry or that annoyed. It, the best thing I've found in my experience is to actually go quiet and go, wow, that's, that's really interesting. And unless they don't, unless they calm down and were willing to have a conversation around that, then in my experience, you're better off to just allow that person to, to leave or you leave. You do not have to put up with that. And you certainly do not have to tolerate that on social media or anywhere, no matter how dark or down someone is. No one, really and ultimately, if we're really honest, we should not be making awful comments about people. We should not be putting people down. We do not need to give people our sob story, our life story, but we do. And we've all done it. And we've all fallen below the line where we've made excuses or blamed or been in denial. We all do it. And even those of us that try to practice so hard not to do it. Oh my gosh, the amount of times, sometimes I've so lost it with my children and, you know, I've had them turn around and go, oh, if they could all see you now. And, and I'm like, it's so true. You know, if the world's cameras were honed in on you right now watching you behave like this, would you be proud? I dare say all of us would say no. Yet we seem to dump on the people we love the most. Or we seem to think we can get away with treating the people we love the most. Um, there was another day I was driving down the freeway with my, at the time, my grandmother was in her early 90s and this guy cut me off and I slammed on the brakes and tried to get my window down quick enough to give him the finger and I hooted at him and my grandmother sat next to me and she goes oh dear I hope he's okay and I went what grandma he just about killed us and she goes oh darling you don't know what's happened in his world mm. he could have got a phone call that his wife's having a baby or his child's just fallen off the jungle gym I sat there and I thought oh she's right 
Now, I also agree that he could have just been an a-hole, but I'll never know. He, have I ever driven erratically when I've had bad news? Have I ever maybe cut somebody off accidentally or been angry when I've done something? Oh, you bet your bottom dollar I have. So wouldn't it be nicer if we could just have a little bit of grace or compassion for another human when perhaps they've fallen out of the circle? I mean, it is easy to say all of this. I appreciate it's not always easy to put into action. But my belief is at least when you hear this and when you read this and when you see the visual of this, it certainly makes it easier to not make it your business and to let that person sit in their anger. After all, it's their anger until you make it yours. Yes. Exactly. And I love the thing I love about the, um, the driving with your, with your grandma, um, story is that that really demonstrates the choice that we have in terms of how we react to things. So, you know, if if we could think about all the things that stress us out, we could, you know, listen, money, kids, finances, want a bigger house, don't have enough time, don't have enough this. But the reality is that's all complete illusion bullshit and the reality is is that we have a choice of how we react to things and it, it, i think that that um, example you've used perfectly demonstrates it because everybody can feel that anger of how dare someone cut kim off if that was me i'd be giving the finger too screw you but then if we think about yeah if the, if the kid if, you know the wife's in labor or maybe the kid's fallen off the jungle gym, or maybe he's had a kid in a car crash. He doesn't know if he's going to be alive when he gets to hospital. Like we can all feel that compassion for a complete stranger and just feel all of those feelings of anger and, you know, the middle finger just drain away from us. And that, that's where we have that power in the choice. And that's mm. been um, beautifully described. Perfect, Kim. My pleasure. (laughs) Now, I want to talk about your essential self-care weekend tour. So you get to hang out with Kim Morrison and other women. What else will we do on these amazing weekends that you've created? I created these because sometimes we just need a reset. Sometimes we just need the reminder um, because we get so involved in our own dramas, our own stories, our own life circumstances that we just sometimes it's nice to take a break. And I did these. They, they start on a Friday night, 6 till 9, and then Saturday 9 till 5 and Sunday 9 till 3. And we go through a process of understanding basically what a lot of what we've talked about today, but also learning about how to use essential oils or how to use herbs or how to understand how to cook better foods or make better choices and how to move more with volition and power and functional movement or understanding sometimes depending on what the people ask in the workshop that I do because every one of them is different is if there's questions around hormones then I do a whole focus around hormone health or if there's an interest in how to write a book with a whole lot of people then I share that or if there's interest around how to sleep better we go through different rituals you know for sleep so it just depends entirely on the room I mean I've been speaking for nearly three decades I'm not a scientist I haven't got a degree behind me I've got a number of diplomas but I I think what I maybe have a master's in is um, life Mm. And the, the, the things that have been thrown at me through my life, you know, some people may not even believe it, but I've known that one of the reasons I was put on this planet was to give people the space and the support and the tools to actually stand there with compassion and to teach these things 
so that you can come out of that two and a half day weekend going, I've actually bloody got this. I can do this. It's not as bad as I thought. Or I love my new feeling right now. I've got a whole new perspective on this right now. I have a whole new way of thinking. I am so going to be a better mum when I get home or I'm much better daughter or a, pre- a friend or a much better business person because ultimately, and particularly women, we are very good at giving to others. We'll always put others before us. We'll always help. We'll drop everything and anything most of the time for someone else. And perhaps this weekend is the first time I invite you to, to drop everything for yourself. And so I often say to people, you know, make it a weekend away, a girls weekend, or make it a time. We've had men, brave men come along to these and whatever men come along are always the most divine men. Mm. And that's a really precious thing to share with your partner. Um, I've had mother daughters. I've had a whole family come along before where all the sisters have come and the aunties and the mum, and it's just beautiful. And then I thought, you know what, it's my most favorite work to present and I'll put it out there. So, yes, so I've done about four retreats already this year. We've got about another five or six to go. Amazing. So where can we find out about your retreats and the locations? And also, where can we get our hands on your amazing book, The Art of Self-Love, of which I have got a signed copy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweetheart. Thank you for asking. That just means so much. Um, the best place is to go to 28.com, the word 20, the number 8.com forward slash events. And you will find all the events that I'm presenting, the one day workshops and the essential self-care weekends. They're all there. Plus on 28.com, you will see there's usually a pop up or there'll be something there under books uh, where you'll see the art of self-love, which you can get online or you can get it through book depository and Amazon and all of those places too. It's an awesome book. Highly recommend it. I've read it. My mum's read it. Um, and then as soon as my mum finished your book, she went online and she bought loads of essential oils to take back to the UK with her. <laughs> oh, and you know, if you're not sick of me now, you can go and um, listen to the Audible version of it as well. I recorded oh. nine hours of the book. So it's all on audible.com um, and I think amazon.com is an audible. So yeah, you can go that. there. I like, I normally, I normally like to do an audible because I love to have it read to me because that, you know, reading takes a lot of time, but listening to something in yes. the car, I can smash out a book in a week. Um, but then I like yeah. to have the actual book to reference, you know, like, Oh, I want to look up, I want to look at the circle. How can I look at the circle? You know, <laughs> I know I'm the same. I'll often listen to a book first as part of my self-care. That's switching off. But for many of you, I'm sure you'll appreciate. For me, reading at night, within half a page, I'm asleep. So Same. it's actually a, a way to put it's me long, to sleep. It takes a um, long time to get through a book, like one paragraph at a time. I know. I know. So I'll often listen to the audio, like you say, either out when I'm out walking or running or when I'm um, driving. and then, But then I want to reference it. So if I really love listening to it, then I'll go and buy the hard copy as well. And then I go through it with a highlighter and I love that. Yeah, me too. It's so old school. Now we've got literally one minute left. I have to let you go because I do respect your time. Um, beautiful Kim. But I do have one question that I ask all of my guests and it's what's your opinion? And you can, if you rush for time, you just go yes, yes or no, no, no. But um, I want to know your opinion on um, the three controversial uh foods in clean living which are coffee which you've already said you had a coffee so that's a yes wine or any kind of alcohol and chocolate what was the question what do, do i agree What's with your opinion agree with yeah your personal oh, my opinion 
Mm. Oh, look, I think it's so personal. If you're somebody who loves coffee and the ritual of coffee and having one or two coffees a day as part of your pleasurable self-care experience, I am so up for it. Um, some of you may also do coffee enemas, which I'm really big on. So, <laughs> you know, if you love that kind of coffee, then all for it too. Um, wine, oh my gosh, you know, like who said wine was not a good thing? It's fermented fruit. I think it's a great thing. Um, and sometimes when we're in that pity party or we've been spun out or thrown out of the circle of self-love, there is nothing more healing than having a girlfriend or a sister or a friend turn up um, with a bottle of wine and you two sit there and bleat that out. Like I'm all for it. <laughs> I also believe that, you know, sometimes overindulging is part of understanding your limitations. So, mm. you know, if you're not, if you you know, to me, it's, it's a healthy, wonderful thing. And if you go to places in Europe, a glass of wine a day is considered a health benefit. So it's up to you. I do try to go for organic wines, wines that don't have all the preservatives and additives and certainly companies that have a grace and respect around the planet and harvesting of the grapes and the coffee. Then that's something that means a lot to me personally. And as for chocolate, to say chocolate could be a, a, a bad thing is, you know, I think people need to, maybe they need therapy because <laughs> chocolate is, is like a, it's a, it's a gift from the gods. It's something, you know, again, I love making my own chocolate. I love, mm. I love your chocolate chip cookies. They're mm. my absolute favorite. I had to stop buying those cookies by the way, because they are so good that I have, I just, oh my gosh, that was one of my reasons I had to do this cleanse. Food um, with no but chocolate. Exactly. But chocolate to me is something when you make it too and you can add, you know, maybe a drop of peppermint or a drop of orange or you add beautiful nuts and, and um, beautiful maybe orange rind ground mm. up into it or, you know, you make it for a chocolate ganache for a, a beautiful gift for a meal or a dinner or birthday or something. Oh, no. To me, it's got to be good chocolate though. I, I would look at all the chocolate that you'd probably buy in a garage or a supermarket as you know, if, unless it's under the organic and healthy, that to me would be a sin. If mm. you're going to drink coffee, alcohol, or eat chocolate, then to me it has to be the highest, most best quality with the best intention and behind it, and then I'd consider them all a health food. Mm. Perfect. Kim, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such an honour to hang with you and listen to your words of wisdom. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And can I please say thank you to you for the work that you do and for the leadership you show and the extraordinary primalistas that have been developed through your vision and allowing those of us that may use the excuse of time not to make these beautiful products. You've actually helped us alleviate that. And I just want to honor you for the work you do because I know for many people in business, there's very often days that we're not thanked and from my heart to yours, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm going to have to go and get the tissues now. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. The 2019 Wellness Summit is almost here. I love being at these events. They're always such a great positive environment. And it's been really great to um, listen to like-minded people and to um, meet a few people, actually. I've been to every summit and I've been to every one and I'll always keep coming. It's always inspiring. It's been a real eye-opener. We're actually signed up to go to the Breakthrough now. It's very motivating. I think it's great to listen to people who are inspired. 
and there's always something to learn and something to take away. I think uh, for myself and giving myself that um, opportunity to, to learn. There's so much going on in life and everything that you can get distracted and forget the things that you should be doing and this always reminds you to get back on track and, and um, to focus on the things that are important, a holistic health. Just do it, yeah, just yeah, suck it up and do it. It's, uh, it could be life-changing, yeah. I would say it's awesome and it's the start of changing your life. Come along, see what it's about and enjoy it. It's an amazing event with like-minded, positive people and you can't help but um, walk away feeling great. Positive Mentor presents the 2019 Wellness Summit, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne. Can you afford to miss out? Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.